Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsu Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Do you want a bra that's sexy? or a bra that's comfortable. Thanks to 3rd Love, you can have both. 3rd Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. The Constitution and its amendments are the foundation of our democracy and the center point of so many controversies in American politics. We decided to take these important amendments one by one and go back to basics. If freedom of speech and the right to bear arms are enshrined as fundamental values, we want to understand them on a deeper historical level. We put together this series on the amendments to do just that. During America's colonial era, Britain passed many laws to increase its revenue collection. Americans felt oppressed and began to find ways around these taxes, including smuggling. The King of England took action and equipped British agents with a writ of assistance that gave them extremely broad powers to search a person and their property without permission. The Founding Fathers drew on those experiences and believed every person had a God-given right to be protected in their own home. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue 
but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Today, as the population increases, technology advances, and solving crimes becomes more complex, the question has been raised, how much is enough to warrant probable cause? Should Americans have to sacrifice their privacy for safety? And how far should law enforcement be allowed to go? Now more than ever, it is important to know and understand our rights. We as a nation cannot move forward unless we understand our past. This is Constitutional Primers. There's a question about what the police can do to you when they pull you over. Can they pull you over for no reason? It is now my honor to sign into law the USA Patriot Act of 2001. But it's clear now that we didn't do enough to prevent these tools from being used for harm as well. Does Google know that I was sitting here and then I moved over there? I only send audio back to Amazon when I hear you say the wake word. For more information and to view Amazon's privacy notice, visit the help section of your Alexa app. I'm here with Angela J. Davis. She is the editor of Policing the Black Man, Arrest, Prosecution, and Imprisonment. She is also a professor of law at American University's Washington College of Law and former head of the D.C. Public Defender Service. She's also my criminal law professor and taught me everything I know. Thank you so much for being here, Professor Davis. Thank you for having me, Sarah. We are so excited. We are going to walk through some of the criminal law constitutional amendments in an effort to better inform people above and beyond what they've picked up from Law & Order, which I think is an important public service. We're going to start with the Fourth Amendment, which I'm going to read. It is the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Now, that's a lot of language, but what I always tell people that you taught me, Professor Davis, is if the police ask if they can search you or your car, you say no. doesn't matter. You just say no. Can you search? No. That's what I tell people my number one lesson from law school. Well, yeah. I mean, I think it depends. I, that's definitely, that would be my instinct, I would say, <laughs> to say no. But you have to use your judgment depending on who you are, where you are, the circumstances. But it's important to know that you have the right to say no. I think that's that's the important thing. And I don't think people feel like that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. This amendment doesn't say that you have the right to be free of all searches and seizures. It also mm-hmm. doesn't say that a warrant is required. It says no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause. Uh, what it says is that you have the right to be free from unreasonable searches and seizures. And so the Supreme Court has gone through a whole bunch of cases that define what that means. You know, what is an unreasonable search and what is an unreasonable seizure? And it's also interpreted the the amendment to basically mean that there's a presumption that there should be a warrant. But there's so many exceptions to that rule that mm-hmm. a lot of people believe that the exceptions eat up the rules. So like, for example, there's something called exigent circumstances. If it's an emergency situation, the cops come to a house and they hear guns going off in the house, then they don't have to run and go get a warrant. Why? Because it's it's an, it's an emergency because someone could mm-hmm. be hurt or harmed. Or if they think that someone's destroying evidence, if they come to a house and they believe someone is in the process of destroying evidence, if they went to get a warrant, by the time they got back, the evidence would be gone. So exigent circumstances is one of those 
exceptions. Another exception is consent. So if you consent to a search, you know, if the police say, hey, can I search your car, and you say yes, then of course they don't have to go and get a warrant. But what you just said is so true. A lot of people, most people, I think, don't believe that they can say no. They think they mm-hmm. have to consent. They don't see a request from a police officer as a request. They see it right. as a demand, even if it's being asked, because police are in a position of authority, and sometimes when they ask, they don't ask so nicely, and people are afraid, and they think that they can't say no. Yeah, I think that's totally true. I mean, I, didn't, I before I went to law school, I didn't feel like I could say no. I didn't even feel like it was a question. I felt like it was mm-hmm. a demand. So, that's the the basics of the amendment. What do you feel like people misunderstand most about the prohibition against unreasonable search and seizure? I think the main thing they misunderstand is that to the extent people think there has to be a warrant, people think that police officers always have to have a warrant, when in reality, mm-hmm. it's only a few instances in which they have to have a warrant to either search or to seize. So this mm-hmm. whole notion of searches and seizures you're talking about searching property or searching people, seizing property or seizing people. So when you're talking about seizing a person, you're really talking about there's a lot of different ways police officers can do that. So if a police officer just comes up to you and says, hey, you know, can I talk to you? Um, you can say no, and you can simply walk away, according to the Supreme Court. You don't have to stay there. But if they want to force you to stay there, forcibly detain you, they they have to have what's called reasonable suspicion, which is a really low standard, a reasonable suspicion to believe that you're involved in some criminal behavior. They have to have that in order to forcibly detain you, to ask you questions, investigate further. And if they want to frisk you, they have to have reasonable suspicion to believe that you're armed and dangerous. So you've heard of stop and frisk. That's from a case called Terry versus Ohio. And so the court said that if a police officer has reasonable suspicion to believe that crime is afoot, they can stop that person temporarily. It's not like an arrest. They can't take you in, but they can stop you temporarily, talk to you, ask you questions to try to determine whether you're involved in some criminal behavior. And if they believe, if reasonable suspicion to believe that you're armed and dangerous, they can do a frisk, which is basically a a pat down of your outer clothing, a flat hand pat down of your outer clothing. You can't go inside your clothing. And if by doing that pat down, they feel something that feels like a weapon, a knife or a gun or anything that can be used as a weapon, they can actually reach inside and remove it. And then by that time, they may have developed what's called probable cost, which is a little bit higher of a standard, that then will allow them to arrest you. And that's the more permanent kind of seizure where they can actually take you in and arrest you for a crime. So there are a lot of different levels of seizures under the Fourth Amendment. But how I know that this is your particular area of expertise, that all sounds well and good, but how does that play in in the real world, especially with regards to issues of racial justice and racial profiling? Yeah, so I'm glad you asked that question. It, reasonable suspicion is such a low standard that mm-hmm. it's very easy for police officers to stop a person forcibly. And so this issue, so it really has permitted police officers to gauge in racial profiling, which is basically police officers stopping a person, not because they have reasonable suspicion to believe they're involved in crime, but they're stopping them based on race. They look at, you know, see a group of young black men or boys standing on a street corner, you know, maybe they're just there chatting, talking. They look at them, they see black a black boy or a black man, and they immediately think criminal, even if they're not mm-hmm. doing anything 
obvious, right? They may see a group of white kids standing on a street corner and see them there hanging out, having fun. They see a group of black boys doing the same thing. They're thinking, oh, they're up to no good. And so that's where the racial profiling comes in. And it really, it has become such a pervasive problem. And unfortunately, because the Supreme Court has allowed this low standard, it really permits police officers to do this. Now, Of course, it is unconstitutional to discriminate against a person based on race. That goes to the Equal Protection Clause, right? You can't treat people differently based on race. You can't discriminate. But the Supreme Court, in a series of cases, has made it very difficult to prove discrimination. You Mm -hmm. have to prove that the police officer intended to stop you because you're black, not for some other reason. And because they can always come up with some other reason, they can hide or mask the true reason, which is that it's because you're black. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of times it's honestly, I think with some officers, it's even, I think, subconscious, right? It's what we call implicit bias. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. And how are you going to prove that if they don't even believe it? Exactly. You really can't. There are no legal remedies for that. That's the problem. I mean, you even have black police officers who are doing it, right? They have Mm -hmm. this bias as well. And I think, you know, all of us suffer from implicit bias, right? These unconscious views that we have about people based on not just race, but skin color, body type, body size, gender, sexual orientation. We all suffer from those implicit biases. But the problem is that when a person in a position of power, like a police officer, is acting on that implicit bias to take away a person's freedom, that's when it has even more serious implications. And so um, the only case I'm aware of where someone has challenged, successfully challenged racial profiling is a case out of New York City called uh, the Floyd case, Floyd versus New York. And it's an extraordinary case decided a number of years ago, three or four years ago, where the Center for Constitutional Rights basically made a case. And they actually, because they had extraordinary evidence, they actually had some police officers who were sort of whistleblowers and undercover recorded their supervisors telling them, you know who to stop, basically telling them to stop black and brown people. And so they made this case, this class action, and they actually won. It's an extraordinary case. But that's the only case I'm aware of because they had explicit evidence that it was being done based on race. And usually you're not going to have that kind of evidence. So it really allows, unfortunately, this pervasive practice of racial profiling to go on. And, of course, so many of these cases of racial profiling have had some pretty catastrophic results Mm -hmm. where – Police officers start out stopping the person, and then it escalates. And, you know, in recent years, we've heard so much about young uh, black men and boys, unarmed black men and boys being killed by police officers. Many of those instances started, in my view, with racial profiling. If you're looking for a very quick salon quality, but not salon priced manicure, Olive and Jean has you covered. We've talked about Olive and Jean's Manny system before. It has everything that you need for a professional manicure in one box, salon grade tools, your choice of six polishes. Those polishes are gonna last you for seven days or more. The cost breaks down to about $2 a manicure. Olive and June also has press-ons if you want. What I love though, is that Olive and June each season is coming out with new colors. And I just got a set of spring and summer colors in quick dry polish. And they say this dries in about a minute. It seemed dry to me in about 30 seconds. It was not kidding about being quick dry. I also love the light colors in this set. There is a huge range. My favorite one is called Kitten. It's like a pinkish gray. 
The quick dry polish gives you full coverage in one or two coats. It lasts for more than five days and it is offered in more than 40 cruelty-free and vegan polishes. Olive and June just understands what's happening in our lives, that we need to move quickly, but we want to look great and feel great and have fun in the process. Visit oliveandjune.com slash pantsuit for 20% off your first system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash P-A-N-T-S-U-I-T for 20% off your first Manny system. Just finished A Court of Thorns and Roses and craving another fantasy world to devour? Dipsy's got you. Dive into spicy enemies to lovers' tales or embark on an epic romance between immortal fae and sworn foes. They've got fantasy romance stories perfect for your morning walk, late night, or long bath. Dipsy is an app full of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency-era historical fiction, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. dipsystories.com slash pantsuit. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things. Big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash pantsy okay let's move on to the fifth amendment no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime unless on a presentment or indictment of a grand jury, except in cases arising in the land or naval forces or in the militia when in actual service at time of war or public danger. Nor shall any person be subject for the same offense to be twice put in jeopardy of life or limb, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. So there's a lot in there, but we're really we're not going to worry too much about all the stuff about um, the grand jury, especially yeah. the land or naval or militia. We right. want to pay attention to nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty or property without due process of law. So how has that played yeah. out in constitutional law? Yeah. So a lot there, as you pointed out, right, there's the 
you know, double jeopardy clause, mm-hmm. you know, the right to have a grand jury. The one that I think most people, that's most relevant anyway for, for criminal law and criminal procedure is the privilege against self-incrimination. Nor shall mm-hmm. any person be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself. The famous movie moment where people always take the Fifth Amendment. <laughs> the Fifth Amendment. We always hear about people saying, I plead the Fifth. And people say it jokingly when they're talking to their friends and they don't want to say something. They say, I plead the Fifth. That's what they're talking about. They're actually talking about the Fifth Amendment. But basically, what it's, what it's all about is that, you know, in this country, we say that if the, the government is going to take away a person's liberty, the burden of proof is on the government. They have to mm-hmm. prove it. We don't require people to come into court and prove their innocence. They're presumed to be innocent, and the government has to prove their guilt beyond a reasonable doubt. So for that reason, the, that individual should not be compelled to be a witness against himself because it's not their burden to do that. And it's also the, the important part of that is, nor shall that person be compelled to be a witness against himself. And what that means is the government can't force you to talk. I mean, we don't live in a society, well, we shouldn't live in a society, I guess we can think of examples where this has been violated, mm-hmm. but... We don't we don't live in a society where, you know, we uh, torture people to make them talk. Now, of course, we've heard that that's happened a lot in the national security realm, you know, and right. Guantanamo and all of that. But in criminal cases, it's against the law. It's a violation of the Constitution, specifically the Fifth Amendment, for police officers, officers to try to force a person to talk. And that can come in many different in, in many different ways, right? So in modern days, we don't hear that many cases, if any, of police officers beating a person until they talk. I mean, it happens. There's no question mm-hmm. but that it happens. But a lot of times they will use psychological techniques against an individual and, and other techniques to compel that person. So for example, if if they hold a suspect for hours and hours without food or drink, or they have police officers who are tricking them into talking, lying to them, saying things to them that are to try to break them down and make them talk. There are all kinds of examples of that. There are modern ways of police officers doing that. And that's in violation, should be a violation of the Fifth Amendment because it's about forcing a person to talk. And so that that's really what this is all about. Like the person cannot be forced to talk. And the other thing that's developed from it, the other case that has developed from it is Miranda. A lot of people have heard about Miranda rights. We hear it mm-hmm. on TV of police officers reading people their Miranda rights. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can be used against you in a court of law. You have a right to have an attorney. If you can't afford one, one will be provided for you. Those rights come out of, out of this case called Miranda versus Arizona. It's not in the text of the Fifth Amendment, but the Supreme Court has interpreted Miranda to be a constitutional right. That is, police officers, before they question a person, if they have a person in custody, and those are the two requirements, if the person's in custody and they're being questioned, police officers must read them their Miranda rights before that questioning happens. And so, you know, if a person's rights are not read to them or they're not read thoroughly to them or if they choose not to waive their rights and uh, police officers question them anyway, or, or that that's a violation of, of the Fifth Amendment. So there are two issues. Is it a voluntary statement, right? Was it given freely or did they compel me? Did they force me to um, to speak? That's a violation. And the second was, did they read me my Miranda rights? Uh, did I waive them? If I waived them, was that waiver a free, voluntary, intelligent waiver, or what, did they force me to waive them? So there are a lot mm. of issues there, um, but it has to do with police questioning. And of course, it also goes into the courtroom. A person, 
is not compelled to testify. So when you see trials, you know, the burden of proof is on the government. The defendant doesn't have to testify. They're not required to testify. They're not required to put on any evidence. They can simply sit there and force the government to prove their guilt beyond a reasonable doubt and just have their lawyers cross-examine the government's witnesses. If they choose to testify, they can, but they can't be forced to. Why? Because of the Fifth Amendment. They can't be forced to. So if it, a good example is, you know, the O.J. Simpson case, which is, you know, I use that case all the time because there's all kinds of <laughs> lessons <laughs> good to be learned from that case, right? There's all kinds of examples that I use it from that case in many of my, my classes that I teach. But so when he went to trial in his criminal case, right, they, he did not testify. He couldn't be forced to testify. He was found not guilty. But he was sued by the families. And there he did have to testify. Why? Because it's a civil case and they had to have depositions and inter- in, um, mm. interrogatories. And he had to answer those, right? Mm. So it's very different whether it's criminal or civil. You can't be forced in a, in a criminal case. And, and that's all because of the Fifth Amendment. Now, I do want, before we move on to the Sixth Amendment, I think there's mm-hmm. another thing some people maybe don't understand or doesn't seem right. And I think it's a really good point to just take a minute and explain, which is, let, so let's say that police officers either in search, searching you or um, questioning you or failing to read your Miranda rights, that they make a mistake and they violate your constitutional rights. So there's a principle called fruit of the poisonous tree where if you the evidence that they gathered after they violated your rights is thrown out. Can you explain that? I mean, it's sort of like our enforcement power. I think it's really important to understand that point because I think some people are like, well, if they did it and the evidence shows they did, why would you throw the evidence out? Right. So glad you raised that. So there's nothing in either the Fourth Amendment or the Fifth Amendment that provides a remedy if the Mm -hmm. cops violate your rights. It just says they can't do it, but it doesn't say what if anything happens to them if they violate your rights. So there's something called the exclusionary rule that courts have developed, which basically says that if police officers, let's let's go back to the Fourth Amendment for a minute. Let's say they break into your house without a warrant. There's no exception to the warrant requirement, and they see some drugs and you're charged with possessing those drugs. Well, if they violated your rights, the remedy you get is that those the drugs are thrown out of court. In other words, the government is not allowed to use those drugs in a criminal trial against you. And if they can't use the drugs, then they can't make out their case and the case ends up being dismissed. And the reason for that is there has to be some kind of remedy mm-hmm. to deter police officers from doing it again, right? Uh, if there's no remedy, then they're just going to keep violating your rights. Now, there are plenty of people who argue, and I get their point, is that that's not really a great remedy because nothing really happens to the cops themselves. I mean, the case gets thrown out, but is that really going to deter police officers? Why don't we do something else? Why don't we punish police officers? Why don't we prosecute them? Well, those are all all suggestions that have been made by scholars and others, but to date, the exclusionary rule remains the remedy. Same thing with the Fifth Amendment. Your statement, if it's if it's taken in violation of the Fifth Amendment, either because the police officers beat it out of you or because they did not read you your Miranda rights, the remedy generally is that your statement may not be used against you in your trial. Right? They can use other evidence, but if you confess, that confession cannot be introduced in your trial. The jury will never hear about it. And, and the reason for that, again, is that there has to be some remedy 
authority to to deter police officers from engaging in that unconstitutional behavior in the future. Again, I think there's an argument to be made that it, maybe it's not the most effective remedy. Maybe there should be some other uh, some other punishment of the officers themselves that might be more effective. But uh, so far, the, the exclusionary rule is the is the remedy that that courts have recognized. And, and here I should say this also. Let me just make one other point about that. So what happens if it's because what what happens if your Fourth Amendment rights are violated, but you end up not being arrested? So let's say the cops break into my house and tear my house up just looking for drugs, and they didn't have a warrant, and so they violated the Fourth Amendment, and they don't find anything. So then mm. what happens? So there, there's nothing to be excluded from a trial because there's no trial right. because I'm not arrested. So that's when you have to sue, and there's a lot of different ways you can file a lawsuit, but that's hard. Um, you know, there's there could be some state uh, law, state statute that you could use. There's a federal law called Section 1983, but it's very difficult for one thing. You know, you got to hire a lawyer and find a lawyer who's going to want to take the case, and if there are not mm-hmm. a lot of damages done where they don't think there's going to be a big settlement, they may not take the case, you know? Right. So it's a lot more difficult when you're, and interestingly enough, it's, it's, I won't say it's more difficult. I'll, I'll say it is difficult if you are an innocent person who's not charged with a crime. It's right. still hard, right, to sort of get a remedy if your Fourth or Fifth Amendment rights are violated. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online, and we were discussing the fact that I am 43, and she said, I cannot believe how young you look, and I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water, leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy filtered shower head is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered shower head purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code Pantsuit at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. 
Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. Right. The new season of Serial is like doing, I don't know if you're listening to it, but they're basically like camped out in the Cleveland courthouse and they're following all these different cases and all these different. And they've done such a good job, I think, of giving real world implications of this. Like they had, I mean, they have this like this police force in part of Cleveland that is just locking people up in storage rooms, basically, with no food, with no bathroom. And I mean, the, the what's basically happening is if, if they go to a lawyer and say, I want to sue them, the city's like, well, we don't have we're I mean, we're bankrupt as a city. What are you going to sue us for? Mm-hmm. Like, it's just they don't have it. Even if you could find a lawyer that would want to would want to take the case, you're suing a deadbeat city that doesn't have right. any money to to pay out any damages based on your constitutional yep. rights being violated. Yeah. And that's another being problem. traumatized. Jeez. Yeah, that's another problem. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Okay, so on to the Sixth Amendment. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed, which district shall have been previously ascertained by law, and to be informed by the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, to have compulsory processes for obtaining witnesses in his favor, and to have the assistance of counsel for his defense. So lay out the basics of those those. Uh, constitutional rights for us. Yeah, lots, lots going on here, too, most having to do with trial rights, right? The right to a speedy trial, which has been interpreted as by courts as really not so speedy. I mean, it's very difficult mm-hmm. to make that claim. Uh, the right to confront the witnesses against you, meaning that basically means that if you're at a trial, then your lawyer has a right to cross-examine those witnesses to try to show that they're not credible, etc., to defend you. You have the right to compulsory process to obtain witnesses in your favor, so to subpoena witness to to come to court. And then the one that that is, I think, discussed the most is probably the right to have the assistance of counsel for your defense. So the court in a case called Gideon versus Wainwright basically said that even if you can't afford an attorney, you have to have an attorney appointed to you. And later cases have interpreted to mean if you are facing six months or more in prison. So for minor misdemeanors, you actually don't have a constitutional right to attorney, but for anything that carries six months or more, the state is required to provide an attorney for you. And I have to say, you know, the promise of Gideon has not been fulfilled. We have a real crisis in indigent defense Mm -hmm. in this country. Um, Most people charged with crimes, the vast majority of people charged with crimes are poor people. That's not to say that the vast majority of people who commit crimes are poor. It's just that the the kinds of crimes that prosecutors choose to prosecute, they they don't prosecute a whole lot of white-collar crimes and environmental crimes 
crimes and a lot of other crimes that cause a lot of harm to a lot of people, but they do prosecute a lot of street crimes. And the vast majority of people who are charged with those crimes are poor. And so they are they should be appointed attorneys. And the the system of public defense in this country is a mess, really. I mean, there are some jurisdictions, some states that have really good public defender systems, like the District of Columbia has a really good system. The the uh, state of Washington has a good system. New York has a fairly good system uh, where they're, fa- you know, fairly well funded. They're, uh, you know, can hire experts and they can spend the amount of time that's necessary to represent a person in a criminal case. But there are other states like Louisiana, you know, Missouri and others where there's an absolute crisis where you have public defenders carrying 80, 90, 100 Goodness. or more cases each where there is Gosh. no way they can provide adequate uh, representation. And it's a shame because many of these lawyers are committed. Not all not all public defenders are committed, but many of them are truly committed, hardworking people who really want to do a good job, but they're in offices where they are just simply not the resources uh, available to really mm-hmm. conduct a good, adequate defense. And so they end up counseling people on plea bargains, people like assembly line justice. You know, we have, we think we have this great system of trials, but really 95 to 98 percent of all criminal cases are resolved by way of a guilty plea. There are a lot of guilty yeah. people watch Law and Order and they think all these trials are going on. Not a lot of trials going on. Lots of guilty pleas going on because people are put in a position where you've got prosecutors who overcharge, you've got overworked public defenders who mm-hmm. prosecutors will come and say, I'll give your guy a deal. He's got to take it today. If he doesn't take it today, the deal's off the table. The defense attorney can say, well, look, I have this ethical duty to investigate the case to see if there's a defense for my client. The prosecutor says, too bad, take it or leave it. And these Mm. poor public defenders are in the untenable position of, quote, unquote, advising their clients, basically saying, this is the deal. You know, you might have a defense. I don't know. But if you don't take the deal today, it's off the table. So, you know, this is what's passing as justice, unfortunately, in the United States of America every day. Mm. And so we really need to do a better job of supporting our public defender systems. Um, and, and of you know training public defenders and just funding and when you think about it you know the people they don't public defenders don't really have or people who are charged with crimes don't really have anybody lobbying for them in the state legislatures right I mean you know poor people are generally not in a position to do that and so the rest of us have to care enough about our system of justice to demand that our public defender systems be be well funded. Our justice system is supposed to work. It's you know it's an adversarial system where we have you know a well funded, well trained prosecution and a well funded and well trained defense, and then we have a judge you know who's presiding over it. But if both sides are not funded well or not trained well, then we're not getting justice in our criminal justice system, and and we're not today. We aren't, and so we really need to do a better job of that. All of us, all citizens, should care about this issue because you know there before the grace of God go. Is the saying right? You never know when you or a member of your family is going to be in that position. So we need to all care about our justice system and care that it works in a way that's fair and just for everyone. I think that is a perfect note to end on. I think looking at the Constitution as not set in stone with flaws that are not serving the entirety of our population and understanding that something that doesn't serve the entirety of population is a risk to all of us. Yep. I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so much, Professor Davis, for coming on our show. It's been so incredibly helpful. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. 
Dylan Garvin produces Pantsuit Politics every week. Thanks for making us sound better, Dylan. Elise Knapp is our managing director, which means we could not make it without her scheduling, organization, feedback, and creativity. Thank you, Elise. We couldn't make Pantsuit Politics without support from our listeners. Go to patreon.com slash pantsuitpolitics to learn how you can receive more nuance and help us make the show. Special thanks to our executive producers who have committed to supporting us in a major life-giving way. Tracy Putoff, Tim Miller, Cherry Haas, Sarah's husband, Nicholas Holland, and my husband, Chad Silvers. Special thanks to Elise Knapp for narrating these special intros and to Dylan Garvin and Studio D podcast production for music and sound design. Learn more about our lives, live events that we're involved in, and what we're reading each week by signing up for our weekly newsletter at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. And connect with members of the Pantsuit Politics community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Twitter.